All right, welcome back to another edition of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is Thursday, March 3rd, right around 3.45 p.m. as we record this. And, of course, the big news of the day is that uh, Mario Cristobal has done it again. He has added another high-quality coach to his coaching staff. Um, Maybe not the on-field coaching staff, but the off-field coaching staff in NFL Hall of Famer. Jason Taylor, uh, Miami fans are ecstatic. Spring football starts this coming Monday, March 7th. And Jason Taylor is basically, from my understanding, going to be in an off-the-field role where he's working with pass rush specialists, um, you know, breaking down film, defensive analyst type role. And I know from driving up to visit uh, with Mario during his speech Tuesday night in Lakeland. I drove all the way up to Lakeland. It took about three and a half hours going through US 27, but I got there. Um, and going up to Lakeland and watching his speech to Cormani McLean from Lakeland Lake Gibson that he badly wanted Jason Taylor on staff. And earlier today, Gabby Urrutia of 247 Sports was the first to report that uh, Jason had agreed, I guess, to join the staff. Bernie Cozart sent out a photo of him and Jason uh, inside the Hurricanes practice facility. And then I made some phone calls uh, because I was told Tuesday it wasn't done yet. Um, and it was still in the process of, of, their, of getting there. And so I confirmed it with a couple of different sources that it was expected to happen, that he would be joining Miami's uh, staff in that kind of a role. And, you know, Miami fans are rejoicing because this is another huge name, another huge name had it to a, a list of huge names on, on the staff. You know, you talk about two former power five coaches and Charlie strong um, and Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator. Uh, you talk about Ed Reed being around the program, uh, Miami adding uh, Gaddis on the offensive side, who was the Boyles award winner. Um, you know, Alex Mirabal is one of the best offensive line coaches in all of college football. This is the dream staff. And I thought, well, who, who better to talk about all of this than the guy who dreams of great staffs. Uh, in, a, in a clean way, uh, that would be yeah, whoa, Card- whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey. listen. You might, <laughs> that would be Carlos Ledo. You, you're, you're jumping into 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 my naughty dreams here. Like, no need to express that to the crowd. <laughs> yeah, that would be Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast, uh, who's been on here with us before. Last week, I kind of went solo. I threw some interviews at you on the podcast. Um, this week, I got another one for you that I think I'm going to attach towards the end of this one uh, with Jake Lichtenstein, the uh, USC transfer. I talked to him for about 20 minutes uh, over the weekend, this past weekend, about just you know coming to South Florida, coming back home to play, all that kind of stuff. So, we'll, we'll, did you ask him if he was a Jason Taylor fan? Because that, that would have been great, like timing with that. Well, listen, they're they're all Jason Taylor fans. I mean, listen, who isn't the guys? The guy's one of the best pass rushers in NFL history, and now he's going to be teaching these guys at Miami. So my first reaction, uh, my, my first reaction, my first question to you, Carlos, I guess, is in light of everything that's happened here. And I think the last time you and I spoke was two weeks ago. Um, did you ever imagine Mario getting all of these guys to come on and help help this thing head in the direction he wanted to go? Uh, no, no, not even close. Uh, I mean, you thought Mario would put together a great staff and I think it would be mostly the guys he had over at Oregon. And then maybe reaching out to some connections that he had throughout the past that he's built up uh, through his time at Alabama and, uh, you know, his time down here in South Florida. But nothing like this. There's no way that I imagine Josh Gaddis being the offensive coordinator, Kevin Steele being the defensive coordinator, 
And, you know, Charlie Strong, just a throw-in at linebackers coach, and, and, and a throw-in as an off-field uh, coach being Jason Taylor, that's incredible to me. I, I think, quite honestly, if, if Ed Reed still has a role in this team in terms of, you know, either chief of staff or some sort of an off-field role, the fact that you have two Hall of Famers on staff that can represent your, your program to incoming recruits uh, is basically, I don't think anybody in the country has something like that. I, I'm, I'm not aware of anybody else anyway. And if, if, if that is the case, I mean, just getting Jason Taylor here on staff with everybody else he's already gotten, they already need to build a statue for Mario Cristobal. Not for Mario Cristobal, just for his, his boxer briefs. They need to bronze his boxer <laughs> briefs and then make sure there's extra room down at the bottom to, to, to hold those big brown bronze <laughs> balls down at the bottom because that's what he's got, man. This guy has come out and he's got marbles. In the, in, in, in the famous words of my man from uh, Major League Two, he has marbles. <laughs> he does. And I, and I can tell you, you know, I, I, I really was excited to make this trip because I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of other journalists there. Uh, and there really wasn't. I was the only um, sports writer in the building for this event on Tuesday up at, up at the, the church where Mario was able to speak to the Lake Gibson football team. And of course, Cormani McLean, the number one cornerback in the country. Um, so I kind of was able to get some exclusive access and I wrote a whole story. Uh, for the athletic on on what the uh, the night was like, but I can tell you from talking to Mario, and I want to play a sound clip for you here uh, or include it. Have have Mike Zimmerman cut it into the show right here. But essentially, what Mario talked about uh, with me after the the thing was over was just how much he enjoys the process of hiring and putting together a staff. Like we know he loves recruiting. He, he's obviously tireless in that regard, Carlos, but the guy enjoys the process of pursuing great coaches and getting great people to join his staff um, just as much as he loves uh, recruiting. And well, it's, it's still recruiting. Right. That's and, why. And, and, and the, the biggest takeaway I had from, from maybe the 15, 20 minutes that I was able to spend talking to him um, up there uh, was, you know, he's exhausted. Like these four months. Okay. He, it's it's going to be four months on the six that he's been uh, in charge of this program because he was hired December 6th. Um, these four months have been absolutely exhausting for him. Like I looked in his eyes, you could see he's still sleep deprived because how much he's pouring himself into getting this thing done right. And, you know, the whole process of, of, of completing his staff, interviewing guys, keeping guys around, you know, you, you look at a guy like Demarcus Van Dyke, right? He had the opportunity here to, to become a coach very, very quickly without really paying his dues a whole lot. Right. He was at the, uh, ASA Miami College, one of these you know junior college teams from down here, um, and then jumps on the Miami staff at, in, in recruiting under Manny Diaz. Then you know gets elevated to cornerbacks coach last year under Manny Diaz, and you know there's a lot of colleges that want a guy like Demarcus Van Dyke to go and recruit for them because he's an excellent recruiter. He's got really good connections here in the city. He can help whatever program hires him to to be an excellent recruiter. Demarcus, you would think, you know, being told by, by Mario, look, you're not going to coach cornerbacks anymore. And I'm going to, I want to keep you on staff, but you're not going to have the opportunity to be an assistant coach. You would think a guy like Demarcus would be devastated. Right. And, and I'm sure he was privately. I'm sure it hurts not to be an assistant coach, but he had schools like FIU and other colleges come after him. And essentially he didn't go because he knows that the opportunity of what he has to be here at Miami to have success here, even if it's not in an on-field role, Mario talked him 
up enough where it, he, it convinced him to want to be here, to want to stick and well, not be an assistant I, coach. I think you've seen the results. And I think he's seen the results of what Mario has done in terms of putting the staff together and what the vision is long-term. And he said, yeah, you know what? I think it's better for me to be a part of this staff, even if it's in an off-field role, as opposed to going to a staff like FIU, where, yeah, I can be a DB's coach and, and stay on, on the field. But what sort of experience am I picking up? Who am I learning from? I've got these guys that I'm learning from. This is a whole different level in terms of the types of schooling, the coaching schooling I'm getting from a Charlie Strong, a Kevin Steele, uh, you know, now a Jason Taylor, and, and even Mario himself, and learning how to be a professional coach, uh, how to recruit, how to actually be a, a tactician, how to develop your skill set as a coach and a communicator at a level that you know he probably wouldn't see anywhere else if he's not at a program like Alabama, Clemson, or uh, Georgia, right? So to him, he sees the benefit. It's giving up something in the short term to gain skill sets for the long term where he can elevate himself later on in the future. And, you know, even learning from Adai. Adai is a great coach, and he's going to be a defensive coordinator someday, possibly really soon. So who knows? And, and, and with any staff, there's turnover year to year. So DeMarcus knows there could be an opportunity next year, depending on how things shake out, how the staff is, is either put together or, or how they have to backfill certain positions. But he sees the opportunity, man. And it's what Mario's putting together here is pretty interesting. Um, and I understand why you feel so excited about putting this kind of staff together, because it's, it's pretty ridiculous when you compare it to other staffs around the country. And uh, it's not only about building the, the, the skill set in terms of what the coaching ability is, but you've got a bunch of guys that have seen it all, guys that have done it all and done it in different places. So you're getting a bunch of different perspectives and a bunch of uh, guys that know, uh, have seen it all, like I said, can, can adapt and overcome to different situations that while in other staffs, you might have an echo chamber here. You've got a bunch of guys that can sit down and really hammer out solutions. Yeah. And what's amazing is that, you know, guys like DVD who, again, they have offers to go elsewhere. They, they're willing to take a step back knowing what, what the future holds for them by being here. And Mario, the way he talks to them, the way he sort of just expresses his long-term vision for them and the program guys are guys are going to buy in right they're going to they're going to want to be a part of this and i know he was trying to get jason taylor forever like these i know these reports came out whatever a week ago but again you know this is why i keep telling people throughout this process like he's talked to a lot of people like there are a lot of people whose names have not come out um been reported anywhere and you know he, he, the whole process for him was like, well, how can I convince these guys to come here and, and help? And he didn't give up. And that's why this process has taken so long, right? Filling out the staff, getting it completed, 100% completed. Um, it, it's, it, it's a unique thing. Uh, and here, look, I'm looking at the, some, some more news here. This is coming from Football Scoop. Um, says Mario Cristobal is on the verge of hiring ex-Texas star UTSA. Uh, that would be Texas San Antonio's Rod Wright. Uh, who was a, uh, I guess, a co-defensive coordinator. Um, he's expected to join Kevin Steele's Miami defensive staff and role focusing on the defensive line with an emphasis on pass rush specialization. So there you go. Another guy who will help in the pass rush um, that'll be joining the staff. So um, according to footballscoop.com. So, you know, again, uh, he's got a huge budget. Okay. No Hurricanes coach has ever had that. So that obviously helps. But I do think that, you know, for a lot of these guys who are mercenaries uh, and will go wherever the money is. Right. I think I also think um, it, there is a co convincing that you have to do. And I'm not sure Manny right. Diaz would have been able to build um, a staff like this. That, like, that was yeah, one of the and, questions we got in a mailbag. Right. Like, 
could Manny Diaz, couldn't have Manny Diaz done the same thing with more money? Sure. He probably would have been able to convince better guys to come join him. But the bottom line is like, you still have to sell your program and get people right. to believe that you're going to make them a better coach and help them their long-term future. Yeah. I don't think he could, he could have gotten Manny Diaz could have gotten better coaches than he had. I don't think he could have gotten these coaches in particular, right? These aren't necessarily mercenaries. Kevin Steele isn't a mercenary. He's been a long, he's been around a bunch of programs because he's been coaching for a very long time, but this isn't the kind of guy that just bounces from program to program to program year after year. Same thing with Josh Gaddis. He was set at Michigan. Um, he obviously was disappointed. He didn't get a look at the head coaching job once uh, Mick, you know, Jim, Jim Harbaugh started flirting with the NFL, but it was Mario that brought these guys here through his vision, uh, through selling his vision for the program, uh, for, for, through his own sort of charisma and ability to communicate what he wants to do and what he sees this program being long-term. And I think if there wasn't a vision and if it wasn't Mario communicating these things, um, most of these coaches don't end up here. You don't get a Charlie Strong as a linebacker's coach here for you just because you're paying a bunch of money. Charlie Strong was in the NFL making a bunch of money, right? And he probably could have held out for a defensive coordinator job at a different program, at a different Power 5 school, um, or maybe even gotten a head coaching job somewhere else in a group of five school. And, and if it was about money, he could have done that. But I think he saw the opportunity here, right? And I think Adai did the same thing. Adai could have gotten paid to Georgia. He could have countered, had Georgia counter and say, hey, listen, we're going to pay you this amount of money give you a co-DC title now and keep you on board. But he saw something in what Mario's building down here, the way Mario pitched it to him. And I think one of the things that we've seen come out of uh, the, this fourth quarter program and the workouts and things so far is everybody uh, is commenting on the enthusiasm and the energy level that the coaches have, not the players, the coaches. Like the coaches are fired up about being, or about being at Miami. They're fired up about what they're doing. And the entire program has been re-energized and revitalized because of the energy that Mario's injected into it. Although he doesn't have much energy right now because he's, he's, he's sleep deprived, but everybody else is carrying the program with their energy. So it's going to be great to see. And I feel bad for Mario. He's not going to get much rest because spring ball's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, we should play that quote, by the way, for Mario. I want to play it now. Start of spring ball. What are you most excited about with that group? <laughs> are you? You look like you're pondering it. No, I just, I'm running, I'd probably be best if I, I'm putting down okay. some stuff, some bullet points okay. for spring ball. Okay. I think would probably be a better okay. thing for you. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's our first time on the field with the guys. Right. Practice at Hurricane, Miami Hurricane. Yeah. You know, it's get like. Emotion? Get emotion? Get you emotional? You think? I, I never do. You never do. I never do. When I retire, I'll get emotional. There's no time for emotions. What did Justin the body say? I ain't got time to bleed, you know? God, right now, it's just it's go time, man. It's, it's go, go, go. There's a lot of things I'm excited about, you know? I guess uh, I'm excited to challenge our guys mm -hmm. and to see our level of work ethic, physicality, want to. Um, I'm excited to see the team grow, learn, galvanize. Responds. Yeah. We're going to throw all kinds of adversity at them. Um, excited for progress. You know, the next phase of the program. Just finished winter conditioning, fourth quarter program. Yeah. Now it's the next phase. You know, football's always season within seasons. Now it's next phase. It's spring ball. Yeah. But uh, for us, so it's loud and clear for, for everybody associated with the program. Spring football at Miami means something. Yeah. Spring football at Miami is real. It's not a way to pass the time, a way to. It is real. We're 
growing. We're going full throttle practices, you know. And um, of course, we're going to be smart always. But this is we're going to be physical. We're going to be uh, detailed. We're going to be fundamentally sound. We're going to learn schematically exactly what our systems entail. I'm excited about a lot of things. That's why that question stumps me. There's a lot. There's a lot, but to, to challenge, I'm excited to challenge, coach, mentor, teach, see responses. All those things, you know, ball. I love practice. I'm a big, I love practice. You know, so yeah. you always have. Is there, I had asked you this way back in signing, that I know it's way too early, but anybody you can tell me for sure won't be, you know, as far as, you know, won't be participating because of off-season? Well, there's a good amount. There's a good amount, right? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a good amount. I don't want to say that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll give you the number. There's, okay. There's, okay. Double digits? Single Before digits? we got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know, I know. These are guys that are from injuries from the season, yeah. So, I'll get, I'll get to the exact number. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just to do like a little preview. Of it, you know? Absolutely. And the last one was just on the on the coaching. Obviously, I know you've been bit so busy. You told me earlier you don't sleep. How close are you to finishing? And, and is it a relief at all? Like almost like. No. I like it. I, to me, I, I enjoy that process as much as I enjoy recruiting. I mean, I. Yeah. I'm in a very detailed and thorough searches. Yeah. Finding guys that really got to be about it. I mean, you know how I feel about Miami. This is like life for me. You know, yeah. and I want to bring in people that are going to feel the same way and are willing to work to the level that that requires. And that's not for everybody, you know? So I love the guys that we have now. I mean, so far that's been such a, yeah. a really just exciting, intense environment of really high level, you know, high football IQ and acumen guys. That, uh, I love these final pieces. I mean, yeah. I like expanding it and making it that much more, you know, for yeah. you guys, mysterious, I guess, you know, but for yeah. me, it's exciting. I just, yeah. I got to keep just finding. Keep adding. Yeah. Keep finding, keep seeing who's best and make it. A, we ask players to compete. You know what? I ask coaches to compete. Let's find out who the best one is. All right. So you just heard what Mario told me uh, up there at Lakeland Lake Gibson. I was glad I was able to share that uh, audio with you. Uh, obviously, he's excited about the start of spring football as well. Um, I can tell you guys that for sure, there's probably going to be a lengthy list of guys that are not going to be participating in contact drills. And I think part of that is, did they go through the fourth quarter program? And the guys that didn't go through the fourth quarter program, I would say there's probably a good shot they will not be um, going through contact drills in the spring. That doesn't mean they won't be working out. That doesn't mean they won't be doing running through drills. But when it comes to hitting and contact and all of that kind of stuff, it's you know, it's serious. You gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta be able to do it the right way. And Mario doesn't want guys going through it if they're, if they're not going to do it the right way. And one of them yeah. uh, who's kind of a, a big deal for Miami is Chase Smith. The linebacker position um, is, is, you know, obviously in a, in a situation where you want guys to emerge. Well, Chase Smith uh, was injured uh, on a kickoff uh, coverage unit against Pittsburgh would have probably had surgery right after that game, but ultimately didn't need it, and 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 stuck you know basically stuck his way through and played a whole bunch against Duke. Everybody was clamoring to see Chase Smith as a true freshman last year. Well, he you know ends up playing against Duke, plays a bunch of snaps. He's fine, and then at the end of the year, it's like okay, well, does he have to have a procedure done? What what needs to kind of happen there? And so ultimately, you know, the rest, the the healing, the all of that kind of stuff. Um, you go through that process. And so he doesn't go through the fourth quarter program as far as the contact 
um, and, and some of the stuff that they were doing, you know, and, and preparing for spring football. So, um, you know, that's a position where right off the bat, you know, you, you look at and you say, man, it would have been great to have Chase Smith this summer or, or this spring because he needs those reps. He needs that experience. Well, he's just not going to do it in a contact fashion. I, I think there'll be other guys, uh, you know, guys coming back from surgery uh, as well. Uh, John Campbell, the offensive tackle, will he be out there in contact? I don't know. I don't think so. I think uh, certainly a guy like James Williams, right, who got injured. Uh, and miss the uh, the end of last season with the injury. Does he come back? Do you rush him back? No, probably not. So I, people have a bunch of questions. I asked Mario. I tried to get him to, to give me a list or a number. And he, and he said, look, you'll find out soon enough, basically. Um, but not everybody will be ready for the start. So just expect that on Monday when, when we show up and we start reporting what's going on out there. There will be guys who, who do not participate. And it's the same thing as last year. Um, but ultimately, as you heard Mario talk about just now, uh, the spring is very, very important. And I think the way he looks at it is, you know, when he was at Alabama and even at Oregon as a head coach, you know, the guys who miss spring ball or don't go through the fourth quarter program in his mind, I don't think he looks at it like, hey, these guys are 100 percent dependable. Right. If you miss those portions, you go into the season and it's like if you get something out of those guys, if they heal up and they're ready to go by the fall, he still, I think, views them as you know, not a hundred percent or not fully prepared for the season. So, you know, when we start talking about depth charts and position battles and all those kind of things, keep that in the back of your mind. When, if, if you start to see guys, Hey, why isn't Chase Smith running with the first team? Well, <laughs> he didn't go through contact in the spring. He didn't, he didn't go through the full fourth quarter program because he was limited or, you know, so the, just keep that. I'm, I'm only saying all this to keep that in the back of your mind as you watch this team go through spring, you know, the summer workouts, all that kind of stuff. This is what the head coach's mentality is when it comes right. to that. No, and I imagine there's going to be some sort of a version of the the fourth quarter program in the summer or leading into to fall camp, right? Because you've got those summer workouts leading into what used to be two days, which is not like one and a half days or just half a day. Um, so these guys are going to get an opportunity to show what they can do once they heal up and that summer program starts. Now, if these guys aren't participating in that fourth quarter program in the summer, and if they're not ready to go for that and they just jump into fall camp, then you could absolutely uh, find them buried deep on the depth chart and just being maybe some guys that play on special teams and possibly rotation players, if that. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, you know, Mario, the guy just, it's unbelievable. Like the focus that he puts into all of this and the memory, like he's learned so much as a coach just in the last 10 years that, you know, this kind of experience matters being 51 years old and having gone through what he's gone through with players and, and studying, you know, bodies and physicality and all that kind of stuff for him to mentally prepare himself, right. To know, Hey, you know what? This guy didn't go through our fourth quarter program. I've seen it before. They can't help us. So I'm not going to count on him. So I'm going to look in the portal for more help or I'm going to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever roster management he needs to do. Like, I think it's great that, already his brain is working in that manner, right? That he's already sort of um, visualizing what he's, what to expect from certain positions in the fall. So yeah, um, it's, it's a clear plan that he's got. And I think that doesn't happen unless he goes to coach with Nick Saban. And, and if he spends his whole career down here at FIU uh, and at Miami being an assistant and only working for one other program in, in Rutgers with Greg Schiano, which is a guy that coached at Miami, uh, where he didn't get very many different perspectives or different opportunities to learn different styles of coaching and preparation. Um, I don't think he gets to this level. And obviously learning it from the guy who could arguably be the best college football coach of all time, 
at Alabama really helps because it opens your eyes to what it takes to be a success at that level, a winner that's at an elite level, one that could be considered, like I said, one of the greatest of all time. Well, I want to talk a little bit about my trip um, up to Lakeland, um, Carlos. And did you get a chance to read my story or not? Are you, do, are do you we, like Kelvin? Do we have to talk about Lakeland? I mean, uh, it's, <laughs> yes, I read your story. I did. Um, I, I, again, what I was fascinated by was um, just the process of how you skirt the rules. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Obviously, every college coach does it. Billy Napier um, did it, too. So he could go talk to Lakeland's football team. But this whole banquet speech thing, like it was it was marvelous watching Mario sort of, you know, talk directly to Cormani McLean in front of, I don't know, 100 people without breaking the rules like it's right. this entire- is, this is, as, as an attorney you know this really really gets me off this is like one of those things this is like a like legal porn to me this is fantastic you you skirt the rules just enough you told that line just enough to where you're maybe breaking a rule but you're not because you're dancing right on the line and it's fantastic and he was talking to Cormani McLean, but he wasn't he was talking to the entire audience right yeah exactly and his whole speech about uh you know just just starting off with you know, why he got into coaching and then, um, you know, showing clips of like Avante Williams um, with snot coming out of his nose as he went through the workouts and sort of pointing out how like, you know, at our school, our culture, you know, you do everything the same way. It's not practice is one way and schools another, you know, trying to get that message across to his mom, um, showing the clip of Sean Taylor delivering the hit in the Pro Bowl, the big hit, uh, the infamous hit. Uh, and, and just kind of getting everybody all jacked up with that one. Um, yeah, it, it, if you, if you go to our school one day, you'll be in the pro bowl and you'll get to destroy a punter too. <laughs> right. Um, and the whole backstory behind it, you know, just the fact that the Lakeland Lake Gibson coach coach with Napier Napier ends up going to the rival high school to go talk. And then he's like, immediately his first thought is, okay, dude, you want to screw me over? I'm going to call. <laughs> I'm going to call Mario Cristobal and he's going to come talk. And how do you like that kind of deal? And Mario jumping at it, right? Like, right. First opportunity. I got to be down there. I got to go. I got to go talk to this kid, um, you know, one-on-one and, and, and make a push. The one thing I will say about Mario. Okay. And, and again, you know, everybody has their, their own view of Manny Diaz and how he did here. Um, I, I think, without question, Mario is so relentless in his pursuit that he will take any opportunity to fight for a recruit. Any, any way he can find a hole to get in there and, and to get an advantage, that's what he wants to do. And I'm not saying Manny Diaz uh, wouldn't do that. Uh, I'm sure he would if, if given the opportunity, but the way Mario fights for guys is just on an entirely different level. And that's what's so impressive. Right. And I think it's it's taken to a different level here in Miami. I, I think the intensity with which he's taken on this job and the amount of, of basically his soul that he's pouring into it, into this role, um, is at a different level than it was at Oregon. Like he did a great job at Oregon. He really poured his soul into it. But it seems as though he is giving every ounce of his being to this job at a level that he didn't do before just because he has such pride about this program about where he wants it to be um, and the love that he has for this program, that he refuses to fail, that he knows that the legacy of this program is now on his shoulders and his back. And he's willing to take on that pressure to take on that weight and carry it forward and elevate this program back to where it used to be. And, and again, going back to your article, 
I don't know if there was anybody more excited about Mario coming to that event than the the coach from from Lakeland Gibson because that dude, right Keith Barefield, your yeah. article I don't know if you did this to him on purpose but there was like at least ten times that he mentioned I want to hang out with Mario Cristobal I just want to <laughs> hang out with the dude he's a fun guy I just want to hang out with the dude so he's got a serious man crush I don't know if that was him or if that was you that made him look that way no I uh, that was very real um, some other things that I took away Mario's got a bunch of like guest speakers like i was standing there overhearing these conversations and he was like inviting the entire lake gibson staff to come down to miami and hang out and and watch them go through spring like during spring break or whatever and the coach is like yeah we're definitely going down there i'm bringing my guys down there but like jimmy johnson um i think ray lewis i mean there there's going to be like a boatload of like special guest speakers and I, I think that's super cool because I, I think back to Nick Saban, right? And what he did at Alabama. How many times did we see these videos leak of like super famous people in sports coming to speak to the team, right? Um, and, and it feels like Mario's doing, you know, he's, he's taking the same stuff out of the playbook, right? Like it's going to be the same sort of idea. Like we got to get people that are going to come over here and really impress these kids and really motivate them and get through to them and excite them. Uh, Mario talked about bringing Damian Lillard to uh, Oregon, um, you know, and having him talk to his his players uh, at Oregon. So, uh, you know, from a, from a recruit perspective, like if you're, if you want to be like Alabama, right. And recruit like Alabama, you kind of have to act like Alabama. And I, and I get the sense that all of this, all of this from Mario is to put Miami on that level, Absolutely. Um, you know, to, to get them to recruit on that level and to get recruits to start talking about Miami being on that level. Peyton Kirkland, who's a mammoth human being, he's 6'6", 350 pounds. He looks like Navon Donaldson, um, except he's a left tackle uh, and has better feet. Um, I, I talked to him a few weeks ago. He's a kid out of uh, the Orlando uh, area, an offensive tackle. And, the first thing out of his mouth when he was down here at the Under Armour, we asked him about Miami and he's like, yeah, best coaching staff. And like, to me, that is Mario and Mirabal and everybody else telling him, like trying to sell the concept. We're going to have the best coaching staff in college football, selling that concept to recruits so that they start saying it. So they start repeating that to the media. Yeah. And, and adding Jason Taylor doesn't hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if, if Manny was here, uh, you would think that, hey, you know what? Mario wants to get wanted to get Damian Lillard over at Oregon to to give a speech and talk about winning and competitiveness. If Manny was here, he probably would have borrowed that idea, and we would have had like uh, Max Struss or Gabe Vincent show up to the Hurricanes practice instead of maybe getting now what Mario can get, like a Jimmy Butler or a Bam Adebayo, or even bringing D Wade back in. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see who's on that whole list, but I I mean, I was listening to him talk about it, and he's like. He's like, yeah, you know, he was just excited about the people that he was bringing in. And so, again, Mario following the footsteps of Nick Saban. And that's that's not wrong. Right. And that's what you want to be. If you're Miami, <laughs> you want to have him be that guy here uh, and, and recruit like that guy I'll, here and win like that guy here. I also think that doesn't work if it's just him emulating Nick Saban. Right. With nothing behind it. So there has to be um, something there where it's Mario's own persona, charisma, drive, work ethic that is engaging. Uh, that also fits with that Saban sort of plan and structure and, and type of program building. But it has to be both. It can't be one or the other. If you don't have that charisma or that work ethic or that ability to draw people in like Mario has, none of it works. No, you're right. Um, all right. I want to get to some mailbag questions. I want to be able to uh, discuss uh, 
you know, kind of what, what, what to sort of expect um, in terms of this, this spring, you know, big questions, position battles, et cetera. Carlos, you know, what, what are you looking at as far as what you're most interested in with the spring? Sure. So I think one of the, the main things you, you want to look at is what's going to, what's going to happen at linebacker, right? Who's going to shake out of there. I think that's one of the first things I want to look at. I want to see if, uh, any of these guys that have been on the roster that have been waiting for their turn, that have been waiting for their opportunity, can take that step forward after you know finishing this fourth quarter program and getting a fresh start, a clean slate with Kevin Steele as a DC and Charlie Strong as a linebacker, and establish themselves as the guy, as the man, or at least one of the two guys to play there in the middle. You know, whether it's Sam Brooks, whether Corey Flag takes a step forward, uh, if his athleticism improves whether it's, you know, Deshaun Troutman, whoever it may be in there, right? Or Avery Huff actually learns uh, the playbook for once and stops committing penalties. Whatever the case may be, whoever can get out there and make plays, or even Wesley Besaint, if he's good enough and strong enough to play right as a freshman, um, to see if Mario ends up deciding, you know, I really need to go to the portal to fill a slot here, or if he feels comfortable enough with that position group as it is moving forward after this, uh, this spring. The other thing I want to see is, you know, Obviously, you know, Jalen Rivers isn't going to be ready. Jonathan Campbell isn't going to be ready. But what happens on that offensive line, right? Who are the guys that are going to be uh, stepping in there after that fourth quarter program? Does Ja'Kai Clark hang on to that center spot or does he get moved? Does he get bumped for maybe a DJ Scaife or a Ryan Rodriguez? Um, you know, does Michael McLaughlin maybe get that right tackle spot solidified with Jonathan Campbell out or does somebody else step in there and do it? Does a transfer from Oregon bump DJ Scaife out at guard, right? All these things are, are things you want to look at and see what shakes out. And I also want to see what happens with the running backs. I want to see, can uh, Henry Parrish make an impact right away? Can he challenge for that starting spot? Um, you know, Don Chaney is going to be out probably for the spring. So you want to see what the other guys behind him can, if, if can, is candidate on campus, I believe he's, he's an early and early, right? No, uh, he's right not. He's, he won't be there until uh, the summer. So then you've got Thad Franklin and you've got Cody Brown trying to see which one of these two guys hangs on to a roster spot uh, and the other would probably leave. Maybe both transfer out. Who knows? Um, you want to see which receivers step up, right? You want to see who's going to be that number one guy moving forward. Can Keyshawn Smith, who I know is your boy, can he be the number one moving forward, which I think he can be, or, you know, you get Frank Lasden coming in and taking over that number one spot. Um, how effective can, you know, Xavier Restrepo be now with another year under his belt? Can he be another guy that can be relied on in the slot like Mike Harley? Um, and what's going to shake out a corner? You know, can Daryl Porter Jr. take a starting spot? Can he be that guy? But he's not going to be here in the spring, so we don't know. So then who, who are these other guys that are gonna, we're going to roll in there? Can it be, you know, um, Marcus Clark? Can it be DJ Ivy? Can it be to Corey Couch? Can it be Malik Curtis? Um, you know, what happens with Jalen Harrell, who moved from safety down to corner? So all these guys are going to get an opportunity now in the spring. You're going to see Jake Garcia coming back also. Um, all these guys that have not played recently or have had opportunities and didn't take advantage of them or didn't get any opportunities have, have a chance now to prove themselves to this new coaching staff. And it's a clean slate because everybody's starting from zero. It's a new, it's a new system on offense, a new system on defense, a new set of eyes evaluating you. What do you have now? It's all on you. It's no longer this guy didn't like me. Uh, this guy, you know, put me at the end of the bench because you know, he didn't get along with me. No, now it's on you. It's in your hands to make one final impact and make one final showing to see whether or not you have what it takes to play. Um, the Rod Wright stuff obviously is breaking here as we're doing this this podcast uh, recording now. Um, but essentially, from my understanding, from from reading some of these reports now, and I haven't, I've been trying to text with different people while you've been talking. But um, I think he's going to be the defensive ends coach, uh, according to 
um, football scoop and what people are saying. So if he is, if he's going to be the, that means Mario will have essentially finished his staff unless he makes a change at tight ends, which by the way, he still has yet to sort of formally say Stephen Field is definitely the, um, you know, tight ends coach. Um, but at this point, it looks like it, <laughs> at, if at right this point, comes I, in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Mario landing like Tony Gonzalez, uh, Antonio Gates, or maybe even Keith Jackson, former Miami Dolphin Keith Jackson as a tight ends coach. Yeah. Rod Wright, by the way, was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, played four years in the NFL, uh, ended up playing in the Canadian Football League and the Arena Football League after that. Uh, he's a Texas graduate. Obvious, The obvious thing he does is help Miami in the state of Texas, right? Like right off the bat, that helps you get into the state of Texas as far as recruiting is concerned. And, you know, he's got experience of being a co-defensive coordinator. So that once again helps uh, Miami from a big picture perspective, where if you lose some of these older guys on staff who have been defensive coordinators, you have other guys on staff that you could technically move up into those spots if they're ready for it. Uh, and he's been, um, you know, co-defensive coordinator at uh, UTSA run game, you know, defensive run game coordinator and defensive line coach since 2020. So, um, you know, he's had a couple years under his belt and UTSA, you know, hasn't been a bad program. Right. I mean, that's where Larry Coker was. Uh, that's kind of uh, I think he was the guy who started the program. And now yep. uh, Rod Wright, uh, that's who's going to be joining Miami staff, according to reports here. So I'm glad it's over. I I'm really hoping this is it, Carlos, because I don't want to talk about coaching anymore. I want to talk about football. Can we do that at some point? In nope. the time one more coach, one more coach. Isn't there like one more uh, spot left on the offense? <laughs> yeah, Stephen Field. If that's if, if if he's not the tight ends coach, that would open up the tight. You know that that means he could still hire somebody else. I've heard rumors about Tim Brewster. You know the former FSU guy. Would he be the guy to come in and replace Stephen Field? I don't know. I know, I know this. The special teams coach. Okay, the guy who is essentially going to be working with the special teams is Dennis Smith. Okay, who has been on staff essentially since December. Uh, was a Mario assistant. He was with Mario in Lakeland, along with uh, Demarcus Van Dyke and Jamil Ladai, um, you know, for for the Cormani McLean Lake Lake and Lake Gibson trip. And Dennis is is going to be in charge of of the special teams units. Um, so Mario is maximizing every spot on the staff um, and trying to get the most out of it. Um, you know, somebody else, technically, one of the other on-field assistants will have to handle it based on the rules. You're only allowed to have 10 assistant coaches on the field, right? Coaching, you can have analysts and work working in other ways. But I think Dennis, essentially, he's going to be the guy ultimately overseeing how the special teams works. And so that's, you know, I think you've got everything resolved now if Steven Field is still your tight ends coach. Right. I'm still holding out for like uh, Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates. Now we got Jason Taylor. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, look, it, things are going to get rolling here. March 7th. We're going to finally see some guys, how they look, you know, the weight, the, the difference in weight, the way their bodies have changed. Uh, Jake Lichtenstein, who we'll have here in a, in a little while, the interview I did with him, you'll be able to hear him talk about it in his own words, how his body has changed since coming to Miami and the workouts and how it's helped him. But so many of these guys, um, the, the one thing I've gathered from all the conversations I've had here with players and, and all because of NIL, by the way, I love this NIL deal. We can talk to guys because of NIL, but, um, all my conversations, like I asked them, well, what, what has Aaron Feld done for you guys in the off season? And it's like, I love the football workouts. It's a football centric working the muscles that you need in football versus this Olympic style lifting. Um, that they used to do 
So it's, it, the bodies are going to look different when we see them out there. I think it's definitely going to look different. Well, it's, it's not only about the bodies. It's also it's about the performance, right? Um, so really, even if the bodies don't look that markedly different, as long as the performance is different, that's what you need. And I think that's like you were talking about. Some of the things that were missing last year were, yeah, guys got bigger, guys got stronger. You saw that change in the physical bodies of those Hurricane players. But the on-field performance, the on-field strength and speed wasn't necessarily there. Um, and hopefully they can marry both things now, right? The, the change in body types along with that on-field performance, which I think they will. It's been proven the way uh, Feld's taken over this program and what he's done in Oregon in the past and where he's learned because he learned at Alabama and Georgia as well. Um, so it, it's one of those things where a lot of guys have different styles. But at the end of the day, what you want is to be able to train your players to execute the movements that they're going to be executing on the field, right? And if you can train that way, that specific way, that sports-specific way, uh, you get the best results and you maximize their ability to, to execute on the field. All right, let's jump into the mailbag, and then we're going to go to the Lichtenstein interview, okay? Um, this is from Rick Smith, Kane Stealth, on Twitter, all right? His question is, is a sports writer an amazing job or does it suck just as much as being a CPA? Carlos, I know the drag of tax season. I did two tax seasons right after college. Figured very quickly tax accounting wasn't for me. Okay, well, you can answer the, uh, the sports writer thing. Uh, from, the, from the look of your haggard face that I see uh, all the time on video and in person, it does seem like it sucks. <laughs> what sucks is the having to chase 8,000 stories and then the challenge of can you come up with creative content that other MFers are not doing so that they will subscribe to The Athletic. That is the challenge. When I worked for a newspaper, all I had to do was what I felt was sort of brainless work, like in the sense of, you know, go out, interview, report what the guy said, and, you know, go move on to the next story quickly because you got to write five stories a day. At The Athletic, the challenge is can you come up with something creative and different that nobody else has? Um, and that's that's really difficult. All while dealing with the social media era where people are just reporting anything out of their ass uh, that aren't journalists. To Correct. Uh, to try and gain their up their follower accounts and up their their impressions and make themselves seem like insiders. And at the same time, having to deal with Kelvin Harris shitting on you every day on, on Twitter. <laughs> So those things are, are, are a unique challenge. Uh, my man, Rick, I'm glad that he, he listens to, to Wide Right. I know he listens to my show. Thank you, Rick. And also, I'm not a CPA. I'm just an attorney and an idiot who's done taxes for 17 years, which is 17 way too long. All right. This is from Connor, uh, Connor 654-71489. I hope that's not his phone number. Um, who steps up as the go-to receiver next year? We've, we've gotten this one a couple of times, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be Keyshawn, Keyshawn Smith. We talked about this uh, the last time I was on. Um, the, other, the other option would be, I think, Frank Lasden, unless I think unless Romello Brinson or Jacoby George step up and uh, make a push to be a starter. But I think the starters are going to end up being Lasden, um, Keyshawn Smith, and Xavier Restrepo. And you're probably going to see either Smith or Lasden be that number one guy, and Restrepo get plenty of work too in that slot. And then to me, it's going to be – everybody else is going to fall in place and, and get their opportunities in specific situations. And especially like a guy like Bashard Smith, you know, to me, the, the interesting question with him is, can you use him like a Roscoe Parrish and can you use those other guys in, in specific situations to, to game plan them open and get their skill sets maximized uh, within the offense while at the same time trying to maximize Will Mallory and Elijah Arroyo. All right. This is from Nick Strong, KYK23. Any injury updates on Sam Brooks, Austin Cave or Michael Redding? 
Uh, the injury updates are that they are questionable going into the start of spring ball. We don't know. We don't know where they're at. I know the Reading injury happened early in the year. Brooks has been a continuing turf toe issue. And Austin Cave, I, I don't even remember Austin Cave being on the field much at all. So I don't know when he was hurt. Um, I, look, we'll find out Monday. And all of those guys, I hate to say it, but that we may not ever see them on the field at Miami at this rate, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those deals where we may not see them. All right. How do you see the run? This is from Doug Life Seven. How do you see the running back room shaking out? We'll start with that one. Okay, I think uh, you know the addition of Henry Henry Parrish makes things interesting, and the fact that Don Chaney Jr. is going to be out for the spring makes it even more interesting. So I think it's going to be a battle between Jalen Knight and Henry Parrish. Pretty much, this. he was going to be the number one back coming into the fall, right? I think Don Chaney is going to have to catch up during that summertime and those workouts and in, in the fall camp. And then, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that Franklin and Cody Brown. It may be one of them leaving or both, depending on how they feel after spring and how many opportunities they get to prove themselves. So, I mean, can, can Thad Franklin find a role for himself? I think there's an opportunity more so for Thad Franklin and Cody Brown, just because I think he's got a little more shake to him and a little more athleticism. And, and that's, can he be like a Najee Davenport? Right? Can you use him as a fullback or as a, as a part-time running back, a short yardage guy that you can move around and, and put in two back sets to complement somebody like a, a lightning type back like Jalen Knightner, a guy that's a little bit smaller like Henry Parrish? Good, good points there. Um, I Look, I, I think right off the bat, Jalen Knighton will be the number one guy in, as far as when it starts because he's done all the right things. But you know, Chaney ultimately I think is the best runner on the roster right now without Citizen being there. Um, the kid who transferred in from Ole Miss, whose name is forget Parrish. Um, he's a, a kind of a carbon copy of Jalen Knighton. I, you know, the, which way will it shake out? I think it just all depends on who is the best at, at blitz pickup and pass coverage. Those are right. usually the guys who play the most. Like I, I, to me, if, if all things were equal and everybody was healthy, I would say, you know, Chaney would probably be the starting running back. But the problem with Chaney is he's had injury problems since high school. So I, I don't remember when the last time he's had a full season where he went uninjured. Um, and that's my concern. I don't know if he can shoulder that load for a full season. Of course, with multiple backs in there, it makes it, makes it a little bit easier. But he hasn't been the featured back anyway. And he's been injured two seasons in a row. Right. Um, that's the injuries. Okay, the second question from uh, Doug Life. Outside of Florida, where do you expect the staff to try and plant a flag in recruiting? Um, I put together a list and I shared it with the athletic and this is before two, four, seven sports, uh, redid their list, um, this week. But so this is as of March one before they re-ranked kids. Um, Florida has 21 top 100 recruits, eight, five stars, 59, four stars, 58 top 300 kids, 67 blue chips overall. Um, next on that list is Texas, 17 top 100 players, five, five stars, 47, four stars, uh, 47 top 300 players, Georgia third, nine top 100 players, two, five stars, 34 stars, 20 top 300 players. And then Alabama and California are next on the list. Um, California has 19 actually 20 top 300 players and Alabama has 19 after you pass Louisiana, which is sixth on the list with 15 top 300 players, everything is single digit. So what does that tell you? All of the talent is in Louisiana, Alabama, California, Georgia, Texas, and Florida. I mean, more than half of it uh, when you, when you add up the other uh, 50 States. So to me, where does Miami plant it? 
they plant it wherever the talent is. I don't think Mario Cristobal is going to hesitate um, in going into an area to fight for somebody. I don't think he's going to look at it from that lens whatsoever. Um, you know, ultimately, most of the talent in the country uh, or the biggest concentration of it is in this state. It has been that way for a long time. And Texas and Georgia have traditionally been two and three for the last five, 10 years. Alabama, it's an unusual year for Alabama. Um, they've got 11 top 100 players, including five, five stars. Nick Saban doesn't usually have that many good players in state. So that'll help Miami and Ohio state and everybody else who comes into the sunshine state to recruit players, because he'll probably end up keeping a few of those Alabama guys home. That'll eat into the 25 ships. So, um, I, Look, he's going to go and battle where he needs to go to get players. But those are the states. If you want the information, Manny, where are the best players? Florida, Texas, Georgia, California, Alabama, Louisiana. And after that, it's not close. It just isn't. And and that's not to say there aren't great players elsewhere, but just not as many. So I think Mario's plan is, like you said, to attack those states where the most talent is. But at the same time, he's not afraid to go national because this brand is heavy and it, it has weight across the country, especially the way he's trying to rebuild it. Um, and he's done it in the past where he's pulled players, the top players from different states while, he, while at Oregon and brought them in. All right. Um, this is a question. Uh, is this even a question? Let me see what's left here. I'm going through this list here that uh, from the original request. Um, I apologize here. Um, here's a good one. This is from Sam Knowlton. What do off-field coaches actually do? Um, here's what I will say about that. And we'll wrap it up with this one and get to the Jake Lichtenstein interview really quickly. Um, to me off the field coaches, the, the difference is the amount of hours that they can spend with the kids, right. And how often they can actually interact with them. Technically the only coaches who can be on the field, working with the players in practice are the on-field staff. Now, obviously college football is ever evolving. Um, and, Coaches are becoming creative in whatever way to maximize their staffs. Alabama and Ohio State and everybody else, they have huge staffs. Miami is finally having a huge staff again. They will figure out ways to get the off-the-field coaches to provide value. They're not just going to pay them to be off the field and study film and not interact with the players. They will find a way to get them to share their thoughts and insights. And Jason Taylor, in the role that he will be in, will be able to help Miami's pass rushers, which, oh, by the way, they need that position to emerge. So um, I I think that if you're asking me, what's the difference? The difference is the guys on staff can go recruiting unless Mario decides to switch, you know, who who gets those, those 10 available slots to hit the road and recruit. Um, You could always bring in a Brian Pata or somebody else at DeMarcus Van Dyke, switch them out for another coach for a trip. Um, But as far as on field coaching in games, in practice, that's what you have to do. And, and it's just sort of abiding by those NCAA rules without, you know, breaking them too much. Right. And I think, you know, the, the advantage of having these off-field coaches that handle things uh, in conjunction with an on-field coach is you've got more specialized attention, right? So let's say, for instance, with Dennis Smith, when it comes to the, the special teams, there's going to be an on-field staffer that runs the special teams practice, right, during practices, and runs the kickoff, punt return, whatever the case may be, as you're going through those sessions. But the one that's breaking down the film and pointing things out is Dennis Smith. He's going through film. So he's got, you've got one specific coach 
who all he's responsible for is breaking down special teams film and making sure that you're executing at the level that you want them to execute at. He's not having to pull double duty. He's not having to pull his focus away from what he's doing as a position coach, but to go ahead and focus on special teams too. No, that's all he does, which is great, which gives you the idea of how granular Mario is getting in terms of the detail that he wants on, on, on his staff. And, and the same thing with Jason Taylor, although you have a defensive line coach, you have Jason Taylor go in there and say, okay, listen, these are some of the moves you may want to look at. If a guy steps this way when he's when he's trying to plant his pivot foot and he he anchors his body weight too much this way, hit him with this type of a swim move or use this type of an arm action. Uh, engage him this way so you can be able to shed better as you're trying to make a tackle or make a sack. Those are the things that you're getting from, from these guys that this attention to detail that you normally wouldn't get from just a regular position coach because they not only have to coach their position, but they have to go and recruit. So you're getting a, additional attention in that film room that you normally wouldn't get. So I think that aside from the name, Jason Taylor's addition uh, and also Dennis Smith on the special teams adds another layer of preparation that you normally wouldn't have. Carlos, I appreciate you doing this with me again, buddy. Um, make sure you listen to him on the MIA All Day podcast. I know you have a growing audience over there. Uh, you're doing what two podcasts a week you're doing you're, you're putting me to shame you're putting two podcasts out a week i'm only doing one i was listening to yours on the way up to uh to lakeland on tuesday um and it great great stuff man i love the way that you're able to talk to yourself i can't do that i need i always need a wingman like i struggled to put together 15 minutes of solo audio uh in the previous podcast before this one i i hate talking to myself well, like I said, I mean, uh, we, we texted about this while you were listening to it. Um, first of all, I, I knew you were doing that just to torture yourself, to keep yourself awake as you were driving. <laughs> but also, I've been talking to myself for years, and my wife has wanted to have me Baker acted for years. So it's something I've been practicing. Uh, luckily, I haven't answered myself yet, although I do on occasion. But uh, it's not consistent enough where she has to be concerned for my mental health. But thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I promise that I, I, I will do more podcasts in the future. I'm only doing them biweekly right now just because of tax season. So I don't have the, the time that I'd like to have. So this is a luxury that I was able to do this one with you today uh, and squeeze off two podcasts in less than a week. All right. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Make sure you stick around and listen to my interview with uh, USC transfer uh, Jake Lichtenstein, South Florida native, played at Western Cypress Bay, came back home. Uh, and he had a lot of interesting things to say. Listen to that interview, but uh, that's going to wrap it up for this portion. We will talk to you next week. Got a special guest on with us, Jake, Jacob Lichtenstein, uh, new Miami Hurricanes defensive end, came over from USC. Uh, Jake uh, had a phenomenal uh, season last year in 2021, really produced well. Uh, four sacks, I believe, were, were, were the numbers. Uh, a whole bunch of tackles, was finally healthy, really, um, for, for the first time in his career for a full year. And he was able to show what he had. Hometown kid. I know Mario Cristobal was super excited to uh, to get him through the transfer portal. He actually was the first player that Mario uh, brought in through the transfer portal. Jacob, uh, first of all, congratulations on coming back home and the success you had last year. Uh, let's let's start with Mario Cristobal because your guys' relationship seems unique. I know he recruited you when you were uh, in high school. He was trying to get you to go to Alabama at the time. Um, Talk about Mario and just that relationship and how and, and what it feels like to be coming home. Yeah, man, like you said, go Canes. Happy to be home. Always wanted to play for Miami since high school. So it's a dream come true. And uh, yeah, man, my senior or my junior year, 
spring, I was playing some O-line because Coach Guandolo, I think you're familiar with Coach Guandolo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we of go course, way back. Y'all go back. Yeah, y'all go back. So, uh, he had me playing some left tackle for him. And there was a bunch of coaches out there one day. And uh, I remember seeing Mario Cristobal there. And, uh, yeah, he talked to me after and told me he would love for me to come to the University of Alabama. And we didn't even specify over what position or what he wanted to do with me there, but he liked what he saw. And uh, our relationship just went from there. And uh, so it was easy. When I saw he uh, became a coach in Miami, I already knew where I wanted to go. And I had uh, asked the former coach for some advice about, like, how to go about things in the transfer portal. And he said with crystal ball, he would reach out. I should reach out to him because, he's you know, he's got a lot going on, accepting the new job and everything. So that's actually what I did. I reached out to Coach Cristobal. He got right back to me, and uh, things went smoothly from there. He, I, I found out he had interest in me. Uh, I had a lot of interest in coming back home, so it just it worked out perfectly. And, uh, man, he's got things going smoothly right now, and I'm excited for this year. Really excited. <laughs> Miami fans, I mean, the, the, the level of excitement here, uh, you know, to get to get things going with him, I know is really, really high. People are, people are just jacked up. They want to see – uh, this team succeed and, and win championships, et cetera. Um, I'm curious, uh, that process, when you call him up and you say, hey, coach, uh, I want to come play for you, what was that like? Uh, actually, he, he didn't answer the call, the first call, but I had texted him uh, like a long a long text, like basically telling him, like, congrats on the, on the job, coach. Like, I know it's been a while since we've uh, connected, but uh, I hope you remember me and <laughs> – uh, I just had a great year. I was uh, finally healthy. And, uh, man, I feel like I really figured out my body. And I would love to come play for you, Coach. Like, if you have any interest in me, get back to me. And he got back to me almost immediately, like, within five minutes. Like, and that was it. And we just – I put a little highlight tape together for him. Uh, he had told me they already have my film. But, uh, yeah, he said he loved what he saw. He would love to get me here. So, then we was just one about it from there. And it happened and it happened quickly. <clears throat> and and uh, I'm sure when you called home and told your parents, I'm coming home, what was that reaction like from them? Man, they were excited because going to USC, you know, across the country, they could it was very limited seeing them and they could only make it to select games. So now I get to come home. I'm at home right now. I get to come home every single weekend down there. So it's just it's awesome. They're so happy to have me here and I'm happy to be able to be here with them. Yeah, I, I, I heard that your father played college football himself at Tulane, and I know that your mom competed in those bodybuilding-type competitions, and she's obviously uh, in, in very good shape, I guess, uh, all yeah. these years later, right? She still she still does it because I heard you had been training with her, uh, kind of getting yourself back in shape in the, in the year off when you were down here in 2020. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, she, she transitioned out of the, the competitions, but she's still big into fitness, uh, personal training. So she, she had access to a, a gym during COVID. And so I got to go in there, basically just me and her and the owner and just get right. And yeah, we had a great little program going. She had me on all the meals. I was eating everything I needed to eat and man, got my body in the best shape of my life during that time. And, and you come back in 21 and have your best year. Um, when you review last year, I know USC didn't win as many games as you, as you wanted. I'm sure you wanted to be to have more W's. But when you look at your individual performance, how do you rate yourself? How do you look at what you did well? I say I rate myself pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, I, we uh, had a nose tackle, our starting nose tackle, go down in the spring, 
with a torn Achilles. So it, it forced me to have to play some nose guard for us last year. And, uh, yeah, that's obviously not uh, ideal for a long body like me. I mean, I put on some weight now since I've been in Miami because they, uh, they're actually having me start out at defensive tackle here uh, okay. for the spring to see how things go. So I'm up to, I'm up to about 280 right now. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think I had a solid year with USC. I showed a lot of uh, potential with my run game. I, uh, you know, I stuffed some double teams. I had some trouble as well at, at times. But, you know, as I put on some weight, I think it's really going to show. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I have a lot of ability in the pass rush, too. I need to work on my pass rush game. But I think mostly I showed some uh, run-stopping abilities last year. Yeah, I know you were recruited. I want to say, was it the 2016 or 17 class? Which year did you come out, man? It was. It feels like forever ago. Yeah, forever ago. 2017. <laughs> 2017. 2017. So, so technically between taking 2020, which was the free year, and then I guess you, know, you probably got a medical red shirt. Yeah, medical. Yeah, so you have how many years left of eligibility? Two, if I want them. Two, if I want them. Yeah, I guess what's your mindset with that? Do you do you want two years? I'm sure Coach Cristobal would love to have you for two and not Man. one. But but what is he? Uh, what has been the conversation with that? There hasn't been much conversation, but I mean, clearly, I just want to have my best year possible and contribute to this team positively. You know, help win an ACC championship. So. If all that happens and I'm having a great season and I have the opportunity to go to the NFL, like it would be hard to turn down. But but we'll see. You know, we could we go to the ACC championship. We're on the brink of a national championship. Who knows? Maybe I'll come back and, you know, fight for that. But I don't want to I don't want to put anything out there, you know, just yet. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. We got to see how the year goes and how you're feeling exactly. and, and everything else and, and how the team's exactly. doing. Um now, this this medical condition, the the uh, compartment syndrome, and you know, just so people have an idea of what it was that you were dealing with, um, I, I I from my for, from what I understand, you had a fasciotomy, which is cutting the fascia to release pressure. Um, yeah. it, it's it's such a unique and rare thing. I haven't, I mean, until I hear, heard you talking about that, I had never heard of that before. Yeah. What? what Very interesting. Yeah. What What is it like to come back from that? And what are the challenges, you know, to your body that you have to, yeah. you know, to, to make sure you can play every week? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of challenges, a lot of doubts, uh, probably the darkest time of my life. Like, just really didn't know how things were going to go out. But I, I, I just kept the faith and, you know, I, I never stopped trying. Like, at times, like, even after the surgery, it wasn't really healing right. Like, it was it wasn't like I couldn't be as powerful as I was. And uh, like I, I developed like an Achilles tendonitis and like I just couldn't figure out what was going on with my lower legs. And then one day I was sitting there with uh, one of my like, I guess, physical therapists, I guess you could call him or like just a uh, muscle experts. And we were looking at, at my, my toes and we were like looking at uh, foot mobility and toe mobility. And I could I did not have good control over my toes. And right when I started like practicing and really building up strength in my feet and my toes, it really it cured the Achilles tendonitis. My calves started coming back and like it was actually pretty amazing. So <laughs> to this day, I still do a lot of stuff for my feet and try to keep my feet really healthy because that's what I found keep, helps me stay really healthy. It's interesting. I mean, um, most people, I guess, wouldn't figure that uh, because ultimately what it, what it was is like calf muscle, right? It was like the lower legs, but the feet 
the way they're connected to it and the, the way that it relieves the pressure, I guess that's the whole secret to it all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, uh, I heard you say your goal is to have 10 sacks. I heard you, you told inside the you that I know Mario probably doesn't like those kind of things being put out there. He's, he's the kind of yeah. guy who wants to keep things in house, but you said it already. So it's out there. Uh, but, but when you think about yourself in this coming year, I mean, is, is, is starting important? Is finishing games important? Like I, I, the way I look at it is I'm sure you probably want to be on the field in the fourth quarter of most games when the, when the pressure's on the line playing, what is your, your like goal of, of, of saying, okay, this will, this will be a successful year for me. Uh, this will, this will be, I, I will have reached my goals. I will have exceeded them if, if I accomplish these things mm. in your mind. What is it? Yeah, I got you. So I would say the number one goal is just, as I said previously, just contribute the best that I can to this team positively. Because I've been part of teams, like a few losing teams at USC, and there's been cancers on the team and people who drive the team down and don't, and they, they contribute negative energy to the team. And the, my goal 100% is to not be that guy and be the reason why this team is, is winning and not, not the other way around. So that's goal number one. Starting, I mean, I would love to be a starter. I, I'm going to give everything I got in the spring and prove what I need to prove. But at the end of the day, these coaches already made it clear. It's not about who's, who's the starter in, in writing. If we're we're going to rotate. If we got, uh, if we got eight defensive linemen that can play and that are dogs, they're all going to play in the game. And that's going to help us be versatile and stay fresh, but we're going to play as many guys that are ready to play. So, and just a successful season would be winning the ACC championship. And yeah, 10 sacks, like, yeah, that would be cool too. Like, that's going to be my goal. But I mean, I'm starting out at D tackle now at a, in the spring. So if I stay at D tackle and gain some weight, you know, 10 sacks might be tough for the interior. But uh, hey, I'm the same thing. I'm going to give it everything I got. Uh, man, yeah, ACC championship is what's going to define a successful season for me. And it feels like the whole team has sort of probably adopted that attitude, right? It seems like it's a very united team here. Um, how different is it? You mentioned the cancers at USC and I'm not telling you to call out guys that were over there, but just to go from that environment to this one is how big a difference is it, you know, for being, being a player. Yeah, it's a big difference. Uh, You know, coach crystal ball, coach Feld, those guys are, they're instilling that culture and it's uh, it's changing. It's changing us. You could see from first day of workouts until where we are right now, it's big differences, big changes. So, uh, it's a huge difference from USC. Uh, we, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was part of some a great team at USC too. That 2017 team with uh, Sam Darnold and Ronald Jones and that Pac-12 championship year, like that was a real team with some real culture. And like, that was a legit team. And yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't really want to speak too much about like US, what happened at USC or, you know, like how things went bad or like you said, call people out. But uh I mean, because we all could have done things better, you know? Right. And, uh, man, it's just – it's exciting for Miami because it feels like that 2017 team at USC, like a lot of selfless guys, like a lot of guys just wanted to – just hungry for that ACC championship, like yeah. you said. Yeah. What uh, – who have you sort of bonded with? You've, you've been away from home for a while. Are there still guys that you grew up with maybe down here on the team that, you, that you've bonded with or, or guys that have sort of welcomed you with open arms that, you, that you're getting close to here in these, in these first couple of months at Miami? Yeah. So like you said, I'm kind of the, the old head on the team now, like 23 years old. Like, so not too many guys who I went to, like when I was in high school, who I played against or anything like that. But the, the team has been great, very welcoming. 
great group of guys. And just I, I would say I'm just bonding with the D line mostly, you know, because we really just we spend so much time together throughout meeting rooms, walkthroughs, all that. So just been spending so much time with those guys, we bonded. What's Coach Salavea like? Uh, everybody sees the uh, the Twitter, you know, the big the, the the meme of him saying "boom," you know, with the fist. Yeah. Uh, what what is he like to to work with on a day to day basis and talk to? No, that's him. That's that boom. <laughs> that's him, man. Like he's a uh, you know he's always demonstrating the drills for us, and he, he's striking the heck out of that pad. Like he he's a big dude, beast. He's done it at the highest level, so he knows what he's doing. You, it's evident. Uh, I've been coached by some good coaches. Uh, specifically my uh, coach Kanechi Udeze, coach KU uh, at USC. And uh, he was a similar guy, did, been in the league, done it at the highest level. So, man, I love Coach Joe. I'm, I'm excited to play for him. He's a, he's a big energy guy. Like, you got to bring your best every day. Like, whether you're feeling good or not, don't show it. Just just go all out. And that's yeah. that's what I'm about. Who do you study uh, besides yourself? I'm sure you watch your own film. But are there guys that you look at in the league and look at yourself and say, you know, you're a long guy, like you said. Are there comparisons physically that at the defensive tackle position? Because that's what they want you to play. I'm sure you're probably studying other guys that are that probably have the same build as you to perfect your craft to see, you know, maybe little things that they do to have success. Yeah, uh, I watch a lot of Aaron Donald film, of course, just because he's one. Even though we're not built the same, he's just yeah. I was gonna say he's six, in, he's six inches shorter than you, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but. Uh, in terms of more body type, uh, similar body types, I would say DeForest Buckner mm-hmm. and uh, Eric Armstead, guys like that. They're even a little bit taller than me, but, uh, you know, they're really good at like that cross chop move and uh, just working the edge. So even from the three tech position. So it's it's guys like that who I need to watch and study the most. You mentioned uh, Coach Feld earlier. Um, everybody sees the mustache. They see the energy in the videos. What is what is what kind of unique instruction does he provide you that maybe you didn't get before? You know, that's different because I I, I work with Andy Staples here at The Athletic and Andy is a former football player himself. He was a walk on at Florida uh, back when Urban Meyer was coach over there. And he went and he did a workout with Coach Feld a couple of years ago uh, when he was at Oregon. And he's like, dude, this guy is so unique. The stuff that he does with bands and explosiveness. For, for the people listening at home that understand workouts, you can speak in workout code. It's cool. Uh, what, what would you describe to them as Feld and how his workouts are unique or different? The most unique thing about Feld is how much he emphasizes mindset and how big he is on mindset. You know, we did mindset training, like mindset meetings as a team where Coach Feld, he preaches to us these ways to be level-headed and just to attack each day with a, with a good mindset. You know, look yourself in the mirror and be proud of who you see in the mirror and the work you're putting in. So I would say just the, the lessons he teaches us and the way he applies that into lifting and just the way he motivates us is, uh, is the most unique. And Jafari was, you know, I talked to him obviously uh, recently and, you know, we talked about the band, the band usage and the explosiveness, that particular, yeah. and, then, and then the fourth quarter program is so oh, like, sort fourth, of tied into, okay. so tied into like football, like it's football yeah. specific. All I guess, football drills. Yeah, what, what what kind of insights could you give us with that? Because everybody wants to know. We see you guys, we see those little clips, and we're like, ooh, what yeah. is he doing? What is he doing? What, 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 what would you say you feel like you it helped you the most, or, or what's sort of unique about that? Yeah, uh, we do, you know, footwork drills, bag drills. Uh, after we have had already done, like, cone drills and uh, 
a lot of stopping and starting, accelerating and shuffling. And uh, it's just, it's great. You know, they, they do a great job even in the warm up, getting our bodies primed, uh, just like a, a dynamic warm up is great. And um, yeah, the fourth quarter program, after we do all those cone drills and bag and uh, whatever, high knees and bag drills, all that, then we go over and do our defensive line specific drills and everyone splits up into their position groups or their position coaches and do just uh, like striking drills, uh, all that footwork drills, pass rush drills, everything. So it's good. They're, yeah, they're really incorporating everything and I, I feel myself getting better. Yeah, I, I think you, we'll see right in the spring. We'll see how that how that all sort of uh, works out. But physically, how do you feel? I mean, after going through that and how how you mentioned you gained you're up to 280 now, you gained 10 pounds. How does your body feel? I mean, where's where's the body fat percentage? I mean, your your mom knows that word being a uh, yeah. a bodybuilder. Are you are you getting that like thin cut type of thing or, or how would you sort of describe how you feel and, and how your body is? Yeah, yeah. Uh... So when I started this day or uh, this training on day one, I was, uh, I think, 265 and I was like around 11 percent body fat. So I would say I'm probably like 13 percent body fat now. Put on a little bit of fat, a little bit of a muscle because, you know, big bulk, got a little bit of both. So uh, I think I'm still in great shape for, you know, gaining up to gaining up to 280 and still get my goal being to gain a little bit more weight. Yeah. This is the biggest you've ever been in terms of body weight or. Uh, I've been 285 before, but not a good 285. Like, I'm a much right. better right now. For sure. <laughs> uh, does Coach Feld have any uh, sayings, anything that he tells you guys, like when you go to eat or, you know, I know he's not necessarily the nutritionist. You guys have one of those too. But I'm just curious, like, you know, in terms of keeping the weight or maintaining the good weight, are there things, little key points, things that he tells you that, you that you know, are ingrained in your brain now, having gone through two months with him? Uh, I would just say... He says, uh, be a pro, you know, a pro would take care of what he needs to take care of. So that comes with eating, even when you don't want to eat, knowing that you have to. So just talking about being a pro. Okay. So, the, and, and you, and you feel like you're living by the code? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How have you changed? I mean, how would you say your eating habits and all that have changed? Uh, eat a big breakfast before workouts. Like I never used to be big on eating, uh, hold on, someone's calling me. No problem. Uh, yeah, I was never big on eating before workouts, so uh, that's one big change. And then it helps me get an extra meal in pretty much, eat right. a little bit earlier in the day. So 280 is, is was what they want you to be at for the season? Uh, no, nah, we haven't talked about a goal weight, really. I asked Coach Joe about that, what's, what's a goal weight for me, and he just said I have a really, uh, really big frame, and I have the ability to add a lot of weight, so just, you know, work out every day, give my, give my all in this training, in this uh, – winter conditioning and uh just see where my body goes if i gain weight if i lose just see how it happens naturally and i guess my guess is they're, they're going to want you to start off inside but you could always go back outside like you've done your you know yeah. you did this past season and did a great job stuffing the run so i guess this is sort of a we'll see how you do type of type of spring yeah right? exactly yeah <laughs> challenge you um Last last couple of questions and then we'll let you go, man. I appreciate all the time you've given me. Coach Guandolo, we, we started off before we started recording this interview, uh, just talking about him a little bit. He's a, a South Florida legend, a guy who won state championships, built great teams. How's he doing and how often does he check in with you? Uh, I actually hit Coach G up right away when I entered the portal and uh, he, he was hearing from colleges asking me if I have interest in going to these places or this place. So it was great just reconnecting with him over the portal. And uh, 
then uh, shortly after that, he had his uh, his college or uh, his uh, high school celebration of like his uh, coaching career, and uh, linked up with a bunch of old players, uh, former players of his. And he, John Beeson was there, and those guys were there, and uh, just celebrating Coach G and uh, the difference he made in all of our lives. And, you know, what a great program he had in high school for us, just changed you to a man and teach you responsibility and, uh, you know, commitment. And, man, I can't thank Coach G enough. Uh, I stay in touch with him pretty regularly. I'll say probably every few weeks, shoot each other a text, start talking. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like a lot of the great high school coaches down here, like a Coach G, like a Roland Smith, like, you know, different guys who have been sort of lifers at the high school level. They don't get enough credit for the job they do with you guys and helping you get yeah. to where you want to go. And uh, I just I wanted to make sure we talked about Coach G a little bit. You Absolutely. mentioned you mentioned Beeson playing for him. I remember seeing you there at Cypress Bay the first time uh, yeah. with, with Coach G. And uh, yeah, I just think there's so many guys who, who talk well of him that it's important to recognize those guys because they, they do help you get to where you want to go. Absolutely. I'm sure you'd appreciate it. <laughs> Jake, I uh, I appreciate you, man, and I wish you the best of luck this coming season. Um, I would. Uh, what number are you wearing, by the way? Have they uh, figured that out yet? Yeah, I'm wearing 55. 55. How do you like that? I like it. All right. Well, any any particular reason you picked double five? I just like the number, man. <laughs> I like it. All right. So we'll see. Hopefully, we see the 55 in the uh, in the backfield quite a bit this year, disrupting for the Hurricanes. Jake, it was a lot of fun. You did a great job, man. And oh, one one last one. How could I? How could I not ask you about Life Wallet, man? Life Wallet, NIL, right? I mean, yes, that's sir. why we're doing this. We're we're helping yes, promote sir. your NIL. Um, no, no. tell me about that experience. I mean, you, you said you did a photo shoot. There's commercials you can practice, podcast. Tell me about how all that stuff yeah. helps you out. Yeah, man. So that's been a great opportunity. They got a bunch of us uh, on the team doing that. Uh, John Ruiz, great businessman, got a great company, lawyer. And uh, he's just, you know, he's a great professional. He's a great businessman. So he's teaching us all those tips and uh, teaching us how to handle ourselves correctly and pre uh, present ourselves in the right way. So it's right. just been a great opportunity. And I'm looking forward to keep going on with that. Yeah, it should be uh, should be uh, should be fun for you and, and educational. And, and hey, I'm rooting for you to to get to the NFL. I just I think it would be great if you stuck around for two years, man. You have yeah, have that I older you, veteran voice in the, uh, in the I office. hear you. I hear you. <laughs> All right, Jake. Appreciate it, brother. You did oh, a great yeah. job, man. Thank you Thank so you. much. Appreciate you. Have a good one.